Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Diva Behavior. This is your host, Molly Molshine. We've had a great hiatus, and now we're getting ready for a five-week season all about royal divas. Now, I need to issue a disclaimer that when it comes to the concept of monarchy in general, I'm pretty against it because monarchies tend to be inherently racist, classist, sexist, elitist, and colonialist. And I don't like any of those things. I'm a little bit of a commie. But the thing is, royals are celebrities. So this is a podcast about examining celebrity and the way that we perceive famous women in the 20th and 21st centuries. And it's just not possible to talk about that without talking about the British royal family. So this week, I'm joined by British person Carrie Bids and fellow American expat living in London, Amanda Stockburger. We read the book The Royals by Kitty Kelly, which is about the length of Moby Dick mixed with War and Peace. So I have to thank Carrie and Amanda for reading this book with me so that we had such a wide range of information to draw from when we discussed the royal family. If you are ever looking for an extremely long, interesting beach read about the royals, read this book. It's so good. You learn so much and it really humanizes them and it just shows you really what they're all about for good or ill. So after this week, we're going to have a series of four episodes where we talk about specific royal ladies, which I'm really excited about. I have a whole new slate of guests coming on people that you haven't heard from before it's going to be really cool so follow at diva behavior pod on twitter and instagram follow me at molly Mulshine on twitter and instagram leave us a rating or a review on apple podcasts and just spread the word about this podcast if you think anyone will like it you know leave it on for your dog in the morning a click is a click i think that's actually the motto on my family crest if i'm not mistaken okay enjoy some people think diva's a bitch I never said that. Diva behavior. I don't know her. I don't know her. I don't know her. Great, uh, great gowns, beautiful gowns. Of course, I don't trust you. Diva behavior, the podcast. So, can you guys tell me, Carrie? Starting with you, Carrie is like a real life British person. <laughs> she knows everything there is to know She's about alive. British attitudes toward the royal family. I would say, or she knows more than I know. I'm nervous because I feel like I'm representing the whole British nation. So I'm I know. doing that by drinking more wine. That's... So by the end of this, I'll have an American accent. I feel good about it. Yeah, <laughs> I'll be fine. Yes. And Amanda is here. She's a fellow expat just like me. Yes. And she's really comfortable with the mic <laughs> yeah. in front of her. <laughs> Let's start with you, Amanda. How did you first get in? Are you interested in the British royal family? How did you first get interested in them? What's your level of familiarity? So my first understanding of the British family was when Princess Diana died, which I think we probably all remember from when we were little. And I just remember being like, who is that? You know, why does this matter? And I think just from hearing about it from my parents and friends, that's just kind of where it all started. That's a good question, though, because I was going to ask you, in that book that we read, the 
Fergie is mentioned loads and how like the Americans loved her. And I didn't even know you guys knew who she was. Oh yeah, we knew who Fergie was because she was, I think it was really Oprah's fault mainly. Because Oprah sort of took her under her wing. She went on Oprah? Or did she, she... Yeah, she went on Oprah no. a lot. And she was... Because... So, okay, for the for the listeners, we read this book called The Royals by Kitty Kelly. And Carrie and Amanda are saints for reading it. Because how many pages was oh the Oh my God. 500. Five, <laughs> longest book I've read since school. Yeah. When I agreed to do this, I did not check the page number. <laughs> I know. All I know is because I read it on Kindle, so it was just 1,200 or no it was 12 hours it said 12 hour read and I was like shit I hope these guys are big readers (laughs) but so yeah in the book the book ends before Princess Diana even dies so I guess the most recent scandal had been Fergie Mm -hmm. and that's why they spent a lot of time on Fergie in the book so yeah Fergie obviously I think one of the biggest things that she made headlines for besides all of her sexual exploits was her weight fluctuation Mm. and I think Oprah kind of saw a kindred spirit and she was doing stuff with Weight Watchers and she just became someone who would go on Oprah and show off her weight loss. And I think that was like a big reason why people knew who she was. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. She was probably bigger in America than in the UK then because I feel like people just knew her first. She had a cameo on Friends. You know, <laughs> she was <laughs> Oh it's my God. When, it's when Ross goes to London to get married and Joey meets Fergie and he has this video clip of her and he says, it's Fergie, baby. <laughs> So, so now, good. from reading the book, she probably demanded, like, a million bucks for that. Right. Oh, at least. At least. <laughs> we now, as American expats living in London, are trying to, I guess, learn more about the royal family. But it's surprising how little they come up. People don't really care that much. I don't know if people don't care, but I don't feel like we talk about it as much as everyone thinks we do. Yeah. It's because, like, she's on the freaking banknote. We see her every day. God bless her. Like, <laughs> we don't talk about it. But I think the crown really, like, researched a lot of interest because mm. I actually didn't know the Margaret story. Oh, and really? I wasn't, like, I knew Philip. Like, we've all known he's a bit sketchy. But I didn't realize, like, how bad he was. So the crown has, like, made definitely my, like, kind of early 30-year-old friends talk about it again. Yeah. It's so interesting. They just got dull for a while. Oh, yeah. Well, they're extremely dull. Yeah. (laughs) I think that's the big issue is, like, they need to be dull to survive, but they also need to be kind of ratchet to survive. Right. Because if they are too dull, nobody cares anymore. But if they're too wild, then people just don't want them. They think they're unstable, but also they don't want them to be boring. Yeah. And they couldn't be boring if they tried because, I guess, people just... Like, even with Meghan Markle, I feel like the things that she does are not even that crazy, and people are outraged about it on the t- on TV, like, every day. Like, I was watching, oh, this is probably not what it's called, Good Morning Britain, is that the show? Yeah! Yes, Good Morning Britain. <laughs> wow, you're watching that. I work from home now, so sometimes nice. I'm like, I need to hear voices and pretend that I know them. So, <laughs> so I watched daytime TV, and there was this guy who was just furious and he was like it's insane it's ridiculous it's never been this bad before we don't even know what Meghan Markle's dog's name is <laughs> and I was like do people really care oh, like man. I don't think they really do right no I don't think so but I do think they need more clickbait like they unfortunately now like the things that sell newspapers will get your voice heard is scandal and controversy that's since the beginning of time though true 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 but I just don't think our like royal family have adapted that well also I don't know how Mm. they're gonna do it like I'm Mm. a bit worried for when Lizzie dies because I don't really know who can modernize it anymore without starting to lose some like pace so one big thing you learn when you read this book is that 
you know, you would think maybe coming from an American perspective, you would think that the royal family would have people around them, surrounding them, who are like the presidential cabinet, like people who are at the top of their game, the biggest PR people in the world, the best of the best. But really, they kind of just have these aristocrats whose parents and grandparents and Mm -hmm. great-grandparents have served the crown for literally 1,200 years. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a really big issue and a really big reason why they run into so much trouble all the time. Because... There are just so many things that are mismanaged Mm -hmm. by the people around Mm -hmm. them. And when you read the book, you learn how much they would lie about stuff. Yeah, and their only control was to tell the press not to print something. Yeah. Because they just could, because they had that influence at a certain time. Yeah. And they just, they would be like, oh, no, Prince Charles is not dating Princess Diana. It's not true. And then like a month later, they're like, they're engaged. (laughs) So it's like, so you're just lying? Yeah. And even with the Meghan and Harry stuff, with all the private jets and everything, it's just always so mishandled. And it's like, mm-hmm. no one should be mad at Meghan and Harry for any of the stuff that they're doing. It's not that controversial at all. Like, it's okay if you don't like them, but the level of controversy around it mm-hmm. doesn't need to happen. And I think it's just a big reason for that is that the people around them, they ha- they don't really do PR for a living. Yeah. That's true, but also Megan adds this like international element to it. Like mm-hmm. the amount of viewers that increase from Wills and Kate to Megan and Harry's wedding, like we're actually earning more money from it. I know it's really gross, yeah. but we are like we, yeah. we are like getting more tourism from it. And so I think it's sensationalized a bit more because like your papers actually care and like yeah. other newspapers and outlets actually care. Whereas when like Kate, I don't know if you guys saw that Kate had like topless photos taken of her yeah. while she was on holiday. Oh, everything made its way to the Did US. Yeah. <laughs> Will and Kate are pretty big in the US yeah. too, I would say, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I kind cool. of, that was sort of what got me more into, because I liked, obviously, with I was similar with Diana where I knew who she was because of her death and everything. And then I went to London when I was really young and I went to the Tower of London and learned about Henry VIII and his six wives. And I was like, yo, this is a fucking shit. <laughs> I was like, this is a shit show. I need to know more. These people are crazy. So I sort of became upset. Like, I read, like, six books about Henry VIII when I was, like, 12. Um, and then I had, like, a third wave of interest when Will and Kate were dating because I just loved her. I was mm-hmm. like, she's so pretty and she just, like, seems normal and everything. So, yes, they definitely... Like, I woke up early to watch the wedding with my mom. Aww. The Will and Kate wedding. That's so sweet. <laughs> but that's I what, remember Like, that. that's the other thing. When I was in New York, I was so surprised because people were like, oh, she's a normal girl. And I'm like, she's been primed from birth for this. Like, she went... Her mom, whoever, she went through years of training for this role to be, like, a wife of a royal. Mm-hmm. Do you she's really think so? Not, like, 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And same as Lady Di, to be fair. Like, she also was, like like gleamed this role I think that's why people are freaking out about Megan I also don't know if she's going to survive because yeah. she hasn't had those years of training as much as I love to believe they're normal people they're not like right. they've been picked out I mean the thing is like not to sound it's not necessarily mercenary to marry a royal but if you are marrying a royal part of you has to be doing it because you want to marry a royal. Right. Yeah. Like, I'm right. sure they're in love with them, too. Yeah. And that helps. But, but the first draw is, well, he's a prince. I'm obviously going to go out with him. Right. <laughs> right. And No like, one's going to say no to Harry. Right. And, like, with Meghan Markle, it's like, you can see it from, from her earliest beginnings of her career that she wanted to be on the international stage somehow as an activist, mm-hmm. which I think has translated into her being a duchess. 
But yeah, with Kate and with with Princess Diana, she literally said like I needed to stay a virgin for what lay ahead because she was wanting to marry. She Charles. said there was like a line in the book that said something she knew she was destined for yeah a marriage that yeah exactly yeah. So Carrie, tell us about the British point of view. <laughs> Tell us about how you, like, obviously you probably don't have a moment where you remember becoming aware of the royals, or do you? No, it's like when we talk about God, it's just a thing, because she's everywhere, especially Elizabeth, because she's definitely won favour with a lot of people that previously was lost, Mm -hmm. but there wasn't like a a moment that you learn it, you learn it at school. It's so funny that you mentioned Henry VIII, because... That's what you learn when you're kind of 13 to 14 years old. Oh, really? And you learn about all the, like, crazy royals in the past that are really interesting and exciting. Yeah, they're insane. Yeah, you learn from them at, like, a young age. And, like, how... Then you kind of respect the ones that we have today. Because it's like, wow, they've actually come a long way to be normal. And maybe we do that too yeah. much. Mm. But I think they're very modernized. Whereas I could imagine, like, other people come in and, like, they're so archaic. Yeah. This is ridiculous. I think... I mean, I don't think... There, I think the concept of a monarchy is archaic, and I think that like Queen Elizabeth's point of view on it is pretty archaic. But I think that the younger ones are doing a good job of modernizing it. Mm-hmm. It's like it says in the Kitty Kelly book that Queen Elizabeth really believes she was anointed by God to be the monarch. You know? Yeah, and it's so hard because like the royal family is so entrenched in religion that yeah. she has also been told that since the age of mm-hmm. two or whatever. Yeah. And, I do, I probably sympathise too much, but, like, imagine being a kid and you're being told that constantly. I don't know how you're going to grow up and think anything other than... Yeah. God is the reason that you've been appointed. Right. And I think that's a big reason why Charles and William, they seem to both be sort of ambivalent about the whole concept. Mm. I mean, Charles definitely wants to be king and believes he deserves it, and he's preparing for it. William doesn't really seem like he... I don't know. Like, he'll, he'll do it when the time comes, but it doesn't seem, like, that jazzed about it, you know? Yeah. So he has to, and, like, that's it. Yeah. yeah. So I think it must be really hard to grow up knowing you have to do that if you don't believe you've been divinely ordained to do it. It probably helps mm-hmm. to be like, well, this isn't about me. It's about God or something. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah, that's a good point. I would like it to skip Charles. <laughs> like, <laughs> you would. Just let's Apparently, go. there was a poll in this book, yeah. and... The majority of people said they wanted to go right to William. I this just, was years ago, even. Like, yeah. from a really, really crude point of view, financially, it makes sense. Like, how long is Charles going to really be in power until, like, on the throne until Will takes over? Let's just cut the middleman. Yeah. Crack on. You have a lovely life with Camilla. <laughs> Wish you all the best. I know. It's weird because <laughs> him and Camilla are actually kind of cute. They are now, now, but also, like, let's, sh- we've had enough airtime of them, like, yeah. he doesn't need to be king, let's just give it to Wills. Yeah. And the irony of having a divorced woman in that position, right. too, after everything that comes down to divorce right. yeah. in that family. And they say that she will never be queen, but there's actually no way to bar her from having the title of queen Exactly. Consort. She's gonna have it. Yeah. Unless they literally, like, change the constitution. Yeah. Although, I do respect her for not taking the Princess of Wales title. Right. I, that was bold. And, like, actually, credit to you. You've completely yeah. ruined years of tradition, but, like, I really respect that you knew that would not be appropriate. Right. Yeah. I think a lot of people yeah. don't realize, like, she for the listeners when so Charles was obviously married to Princess Diana 
they got a divorce, then Diana died, and a few years later, actually not that long after her death, Mm-mm. it's wild, was, I think it was like she died in 1996 and they got married in like 2003, mm-hmm. maybe a little give or take on either side, but so when Camilla married Charles, she is the Princess of Wales, and that should be her title, but I think part of the reason why she didn't take that title is because there would have been outrage. Sure. That fair, but like I think it's quite bold to go against tradition yeah. and the royal family yeah. and be like, do you know what? I'm bowing out. Like this is yeah. okay. It's it is weird because like for me personally, whenever someone I'm really old fashioned in this way that whenever someone is knowingly sleeping with a married person, I'm like, I hate you. Like that's <laughs> awful. Don't do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I blame the married person as well. But yeah. like I will blame both of them and think they're both scumbags. But now in their situation, when you really look into what it was like, they had no other choice. Yeah. Because you almost have more sympathy for her, too, when you know more about, like, what actually happened and what went down. Yeah. Because he didn't want to marry Diana. He's forced into it. She didn't have to sleep with him the night before his wedding. That was that was pretty wild. Yeah. I did. I'm like, am I reading this? And then it's like, and the next day he was wed. Yeah. It's crazy. But it yeah. also, the when they met, she was already technically had too much of a past to even mm. think about dating him out in the open. So mm. there was such a premium put on virginity for whoever was going to marry the Prince of Wales that Camilla really didn't stand a chance. And it seems like they really are well suited for each other and like fully in love. And my favorite quote, which I can't remember who said it, it might have been Gore Vidal, but I don't know, was that Charles messed up because he married his mistress and cheated with his wife yeah because it's true like he married a 19 year old gorgeous tall blonde yeah. and he's cheating on her with this like school marm yeah. it's crazy <laughs> it's true it's, it's true. so true because he really was in love with camilla but yeah. but then didn't you guys think when you read through how their relationship really went that he really didn't have to be as much of a dick as he was no i yeah i agree I don't know. I just, I feel like they're part of an institution where they're all going to be a bit screwed up. Like, I don't think they're normal people can see it like the way we do. And when they do these little tit for tat, like the book was saying that he would like, he deliberately told Diana an hour, no, five minutes before Mm. she left the car in front of the press that her lover had been killed in a car accident. That was horrific. It's totally screwed up. That was wild. Yeah. Um, That was totally screwed up. But, if you're so confined and you can't play games that married people play, and let's face it, like we've heard stuff from our friends where these games are being played in other ways, you will only be able to do them in this like weird psychological warfare behind closed doors. Yeah. Not saying it's okay, but I just think they're all a bit nuts. Yeah, they're all definitely nuts. And I mean, Charles woke up, one of the lines in the book, Kitty Kelly said, watching his father shuffle mistresses like a deck of cards, yeah. which I thought was such a good way of putting it. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, he grew up thinking not only that cheating was normal, but that it was his birthright. Yeah. yeah. But like no one gave that memo to die. <laughs> no one told Princess Diana, like, no. listen, you're going to marry the prince. He's you're going to be a princess. He's going to cheat on you nonstop. But like, you know. Well, she got the memo later on when she was like, wait, I can do this too? Yeah. Fantastic. Are you so proud of her when she finally does? You're like, yes, get it, die. Well, actually, this is the other thing. Have you guys actually seen the photos of Hewitt next to Harry? Harry. Like, 
in, oh. in the same ages and stuff. I mean, yeah, I don't believe that. I think so. No. For the listeners, there are conspiracy. <laughs> this is a conspiracy theory podcast. It should be, <laughs> it should be called Diva Conspiracy. I'm so sorry. No, it's fine. We should touch on it because if we don't, then people are going to be like, why didn't you talk about that? Because it is such a thing people talk about. But people say because Harry's ginger and everything <laughs> that his, that Diana's, um, guy that she, her side piece James Hewitt is <laughs> secretly Harry's dad because he has red hair too but I just think Harry looks so similar to Prince Charles especially as he gets older wait really and Diana has a lot of red hair on her side of the family I okay I'm gonna implore the viewers to google image them at the same age like James Hewitt and Harry at 20 at 25 yeah. whatever I'm convinced. I just, I feel that Harry has that, like, Germanic look of the Windsor family. I really do. Uh, Which, we should talk about the fact that they're all German. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still in denial. You're so. still in denial. Yeah. What did you think about that, was, that like, man? the first line. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. That they can just say, well, we're going to disassociate ourselves. What was this, after World War One? Yeah. And they're just like, we're just going to make up this house and change our name, and we're not German. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, I have German ancestors. <laughs> can't comment any further on this. I'm staying silent because I've been bred <laughs> to deny this fact. Yeah. So I'm twitching. I mean, I find, it, I find it really interesting, especially because they were really making, like, in the their previous ancestry, so... Queen Elizabeth is a great, great, great granddaughter of Queen Victoria. And ever since Queen Victoria, everyone was sort of marrying outside of the German royal family. Because back in the day, obviously, the royals could only marry other royals from other countries. So it kind of makes sense that there wasn't that much, quote-unquote, English blood. But then Elizabeth's mom, the queen mom, she was from Scotland. So Mm. that made them a little less German. Like, Elizabeth is only half German, half... And then she's half Scottish. Then she decides to marry her fucking third cousin, Prince Philip. <laughs> I'm like, girl, you were getting away from the German thing. And you literally, if you, like, I was at this gift shop in Stratford-upon-Avon. And there was this big map of the royal family, family tree, a poster that you could buy. Which, like, why anyone is buying that, I don't understand. But it literally becomes a circle when you get to <laughs> Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip. Oh, I yeah. mean, I, I just googled this to verify it. <laughs> the The German royal family do have better looks, and we needed to diversify for the postcards and the stamps, yeah, and the notes. So I respect it. We would have been inbred if we hadn't done that. We had nowhere else to go. Wait, did no? But you were already German. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've got nothing. Well, the thing is, I think Queen Elizabeth's dad and all of his brothers were pretty hot. If you look at pictures of them when they were younger. His dad, yeah, her, wait, yeah, her dad. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the brother. They were really good yeah, looking. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. And then something happened. <laughs> <laughs> I think Harry's good looking. Oh, yeah. Same. Harry's really, I mean. He's hot. Because him and William have Diana's jeans. Yeah. Mm. And William, when he had hair, was, there was no one better. Yeah. But now that he's losing his hair, it's it's thrown his face off balance. Why won't either of them have hair help? Like, they've got the money. They, it yeah. blows my mind. They can get do plugs. It. They can do it. Get the plug. Get the plug. <laughs> this is our plug for you to get a plug. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I shouldn't be saying this, but I think Kate Middleton got a nose job. 
Like I remember right before the wedding, I need to do she it suddenly before and looked, after. Yeah. She suddenly looked a little bit more like Hollywood ready and I was like, nose job. Nice and I was like, I don't blame you because you're going to be the most photographed woman in the world. Mm. So I would not blame Will whatsoever, yeah, if he got plugs. Actually, that her, whoever getting anything in the royal family because they're photographed so much, the other bit that, like, I knew or I heard rumors that Diana was bulimic and had anorexia mm. issues and stuff, I was so surprised it was driven by her high profile, mm-hmm. like, status because you would think someone that's kind of prepping for this all her life would expect that to happen and how much she plummeted really quickly yeah. into just throwing up like all of her meals. Well, I thought it seemed like it was the infidelity more so. Did you think? Yeah, because I yeah, think... Yeah, she was just stressed out. Yeah, because yeah. it's not like she was... It's not like she was waiting her whole life to get into this position of being a princess. She was waiting her whole life to marry a prince that was in love with her. Mm. Like, that's what she wanted. She wanted mm. a real love story. Like, she wanted to have this like you know, happily ever after Cinderella thing. And then like literally right before her wedding, she finds out he's still cheating on her with Camilla Mm. and she was 19 and she was in love with him. Yeah. Although she knew he had been cheating on her right up until the wedding. Like it wasn't like the night before she just found out she'd found the letters. She'd found everything. And like, I don't mean to be cruel, but she walked into it knowing that he was in love with someone else. And if you choose to walk away from that man, or you choose to go down the it's aisle true. with him. Yeah. I, like, I don't want to be cruel, but... She didn't want to give it up. Yeah. But she was mm-hmm. a baby. I just... <laughs> like, think how stupid we all were when we were 19. <laughs> but I'm he still was like... stupid. <laughs> yeah, because now we're so smart. I know. <laughs> and then she had that thing where she's talking to her sister, and her sister's like... She says to her sister, oh, I want to back out. And she's like, too bad, your face is on the tea towels. Like, you can't back out. Yeah, it was yes. too late at that point. Yeah. That, was, that was a good yeah. one. So, let's talk a little bit about something that really boggled my mind when <laughs> reading this book was the British class system. Mm. <laughs> because, Carrie's favorite oh, yeah, subject. Yeah, Carrie, we need, we need your help, Carrie. Because it basically was like, it was like, oh, such and such is a princess, but she's not royal. It's only by marriage and not by blood. So she has to bow to mm. this person. But then this person's a duchess and this person's that. Like, what the... Is there a... Is there, like, a Wikipedia page? <laughs> yes. There is, actually. <laughs> so when you... So, like, firstly, no one normal knows this stuff. Like, okay. let me tell you. When you go and meet the queen or any of the royal family, you get briefed by a dedicated team of the royal household that comes really quickly and is like, bow to this person, say this to another. So Mm. when you see it on the TV and it all looks really smooth, everyone's just had a two-minute briefing, like just before the cameras. And the thing with like marrying into royalty versus born into it, that piece still reigns true because people are... Like, we do have a snobbery here. Like, the blue bloods are still trying to hold on to... Yeah. So blue blood is for like the aristocracy, your blood runs blue. Yeah. Um... And the lords and ladies situation, again, like, if I go to a party with a lady, I've never had to call them lady anything. Like, they're completely normal. But I'd imagine if they're in those kind of parties and those those kind of banquets, Mm. it means something. Yeah. So I just think it's not like when they're out at normal places, it's not like the crown. They're just normal humans. But not back in the day. 
True. Because the thing True. that I, like, I think Princess Margaret was oh, definitely terrible. I've been waiting for this. Oh, yeah. I love Marg. <laughs> Should I call her Marg? Yeah. yeah. Marg? No, she would never let you. Because remember I'd in have the to book, bow down. She would pull rank on everyone, even her own husband. Like, and I don't think that is the way it is anymore, obviously, from what you're saying. But, like, when did that switch over? I think in the 60s with the Beatles actually made a huge difference. Because those were the first... Like, who else was working-class British person that became a household name Yeah, before that? Yeah, that's fair. That wasn't, like, a fictional Charles Dickens character. But And that's the difference between celebrity and royalty. Like, because a celebrity is known for a talent. Music, acting, whatever. I know it's a bit different today, right? Because you've got the Kardashians. But, like... The, that was the difference between them and royalty and that's where the two worlds start colliding it's so interesting yeah see I have a theory and this is one of my favorite things to like think about and talk about about <laughs> any celeb this is why I find so interesting in this book there's so much emphasis on Prince Philip and Queen Elizabeth saying we're not celebrities we're not stars we're not Hollywood but in the grand scheme of things everyone from Zeus to Tequila Tequila is serving <laughs> is serving the same purpose Love that you just use them in the same <laughs> sentence. No, it's true though. God, Adam, Eve, yeah. Zeus, Hera, the Kardashians, JFK, Jackie, <laughs> Queen Elizabeth, Prince Philip, Marilyn Monroe, all of these people serve the exact same purpose. And whenever you try to split them into these hierarchies, which a lot of actors do, right? Actors are like the worst with this because they're so pissed at the Kardashians for getting famous without <laughs> having to read lines off the yeah. script. Yeah. They're like very invested in the 20th century hierarchy of fame. But the thing is, all these people are serving the exact same purpose, which is for us to talk about them. Well, so I, for me, celebrities serve their own purpose. The royal family serves the crown. So, in the sense that, in theory, Harry's not really allowed his own personality. Like, he has to represent what the crown represents. I I think he would be way more outspoken about LGBT. And, like, I mean, I have no idea. But I'm sure mm-hmm. he cares about stuff. Mm-hmm. But he, he's not allowed to speak about it because it's not his voice. He is one of many representing the crown. But I think that's the difference between royals and celebrities. And I think... But celebrities didn't talk about that stuff until very recently either. True, but they can have their own opinion, whereas royalty can't. But they also sometimes can't. Like, Taylor Swift didn't come out against Donald Trump because she was like, I'm going to lose all my Red State fans. Which is probably the vast majority of them. (laughs) Right, exactly. That's why she didn't, because she had, she, like, crunched the numbers, and she thought, oh shit, if I come out as a Democrat, I'm going to lose fans. And it's not the same thing as, like, the crown, but it is very similar. It's like this negotiation of your public profile Mm. in terms of how much you can be yourself and how much you can't. Well, but so the, the, the way I see it differently is that she's making a business decision. Like in theory, she's made enough money. She'll be fine. Right. She's made a business decision that she doesn't want to lose X, Y, Z, but royalty is a duty that in theory, you're not allowed to leave. I know. Yeah. Edward abdicated, et cetera, but it's a duty. It is your life. You are not allowed to leave. Like it's not business. You are representing something that's been in place for thousands of years you're relatively insignificant. But I think it is kind of a business decision because the Commonwealth could break up and mm-hmm. like people could say we don't want a monarchy anymore. And they have to stay in business to be a monarchy. Right. Yeah. Especially with like Canada and Australia. Like it blows my mind that Canada and Australia are still part of the Commonwealth. It's so crazy. Mm-hmm. Like I guess it makes sense, but I don't know. I feel like it's really 
interesting. But I do think if it goes straight to Charles, something's are coming. Me like, too. It's, mm-hmm. it's a bit scary because I feel like Wills will modernise it. I'm kind of excited it. for that. I I'm know. Scared. Like, I kind of wanted him to take it and just watch the yeah. shit storm. <laughs> because I think I'm here also, for it. We've just had Brexit. Please. <laughs> yeah. <I'm tired. laughs> well, I think Charles is going to be more outspoken. And I really? think that, yeah, and I think that Harry is going to become more outspoken. Oh, especially sure. with Meghan. He They're, can, though. He's not, he's mm, not going to be king. Yeah. So when he said that, um, is it Archie, the kid? Is yeah. he going to be called a prince? Well, I think that when Charles becomes prince, they, like, constitutionally, they could give him a title because he's going to, or when Charles becomes king, it could be that they say, okay, he's the child of the monarch or the grandchild of the monarch, so he's entitled to a title. Um, but I think Harry probably didn't want him to have a title. No, they've mm-hmm. opted for master. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Which everyone said it was Meghan, but I think it was Harry for sure. Because oh, I, I think I think Harry blames the the fame and the media and everything on Princess Diana's oh, death yeah. and, and on his like hardships growing up of just like not knowing where he fits in in the world so he thinks it's going to make his life easier if he doesn't have a title but I'm like okay hi I don't have a title my life's fucking hard (laughs) (laughs) join the club master Archie (laughs) I know I was about to call you master (laughs) please and curtsy whilst (laughs) but did you not think learning more about Margaret made me understand where harry came from oh 100 percent. yeah like harry is the margaret yeah wills is the elizabeth but without the racism well not (laughs) as much racism he still wore the fucking hitler costume oh (laughs) that that was a cry for help man like i know no press coverage before that (laughs) (laughs) that was his ticket in what did you guys think about all the racism Everyone was racist. Even Princess Diana had said some racist shit. That actually surprised me more than I think anyone. I don't think any of the other royals' racism surprised me at all. Yeah. And, like, as much as I feel like people try to play off, like, Prince Philip, like, oh, he's just, like, old as shit, and he says all these, like, off-color things. He takes it to Um, another level. He really (laughs) does. My pop-up was the same age. He never said anything approaching. exactly. I tried to compare, and, like, again, you were talking before about, like, an older generation and how they just kind of are used to things being said a certain way. It was just next level. Yeah. Uh, But the Diana racism really surprised me. It paled in, I mean, no pun intended, it paled in comparison (laughs) to... The other racism in the book. Yeah. I mean, Princess Margaret, I would say, was the worst. Walking out of Schindler's List. Princess Margaret walked out of Schindler's cool. List and said to one of her aides, this is a tedious film about Jews. Yeah. Like, wild. Yeah. Well, that's one way of putting it. Not great. And Philip has, actually, if anyone hasn't seen any of the things that he said, you need to Google, like, top oh, like, yeah. 20, 50 Prince Philip gaffs because some of the stuff he said on foreign engagements is actually mortifying. It's crazy. But this is also why I feel like, I mean, not to stick up for any of them whatsoever, but I think this is another example of them not having good people around them. And it's just the fact that they're, they're, they grow up in this cosseted, cloistered environment where they don't meet anyone who doesn't look like them. And they're yeah, surrounded true. by these aristocratic courtiers. No one is giving them sensitivity lessons. No one is saying to them, like, hey, you can't say this. Like, yeah. because these people are humans, like, 
the light within you needs to recognize the fucking light within them. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Which... All right, Mama. <laughs> I, I will say Charles had no instances of it. No, he's... But he's all... But he seems like the most liberal of the lot. Yes. Yeah. That's why that's I kind so of true. like him. Yeah. I kind that's of such like a point. him. I just yeah. think he's not got the backbone to really say anything... I, exactly. I don't think he could say anything bad about anyone. Yeah, true. But true. he has. He has done... Let me find this quote. He, he like, went to the Middle East and he was like, I don't want to be the defender of only the Protestant faith. I want to be the defender of all faiths because I, I think... I respect that. Yes, mm. me too. I really... I know that, yeah. Yeah, that's one of his main goals, allegedly, is when he does take the throne, he doesn't want to have this, like, Protestant hierarchy anymore. He wants to say all faiths are valid and we don't need to have the Church of England because, I mean, I'm sure they're not going to get rid of the Church of England, but he wants to be mm. defender of faith, not defender of the faith, which I, I think is cool. I don't even know how you would begin to untangle the crown from the church. Yeah. Like, I yeah. can't even fathom how that would play out. It would be like Game of Thrones, but in real life. Like, I had no yeah. idea how religious the coronation ceremony was. Yeah. Every, everything. Yeah. It's very weird. I mean, weddings, I guess you've seen, but even just, like, reading about it, you have, like, they're yeah. literally, like, you're basically God. Like, yeah. you yeah. said, like, God is... You're the head of the Church of England. Yeah. You're the Pope of Anglicism. Is that what's called? Anglicism? Mm, the Anglican Anglicism? Church? <laughs> it's the Anglican Church. Anglicanism? Yeah, yeah. Anglican Church. I don't know about the yeah. other. But you're the... <laughs> the ism. I'll just cough over yeah. what you say. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, you're the Pope of that, which mm-hmm. is crazy. Like, Meghan Markle had to convert to the Church of England before she could marry Prince Harry. Yeah, I feel for her with that because I feel like that's unnecessary. But then I know a few of my friends that have done that and I don't think of it any differently. I I think sometimes we place like a hypersensitive veil on the royal family, but actually if you look at your group of friends, like I know friends that have converted just before a wedding because they have to. Oh, yeah. I know friends that have had affairs and because they're in a marriage that they feel like they can't leave. But I'm not saying it's okay, but it is the same as normal people. Definitely. Yeah. So, okay, we need to <laughs> carry this more for my for my brain to oh understand. No. Why I do represent the whole of Britain? This why do British people call private schools public and public schools <laughs> yeah, private? Okay. Everywhere I go, whenever I'm talking to a British person, they're like, oh, I went to public school, but that's what we pro- we call private school. Okay. Like, a, if they're, if they're in Peaky Blinders, they didn't go to public school. Is that the accent that I did? Between you and Amanda. Whose accent is better? Oh my god. So we've got, I've got a chimney sweep to the left of me, a peaky blinder to the right. It's fantastic. So a public school is actually a really posh school. And it, it, the idea is it's a public fee school. So back in the day, it meant that if you had the right checkbook, you could send your kid to the best school, not necessarily the local school or like so it's open religious, to the entire public anyone that has pay. that right so oh. then it became really gentrified because and this is like I think how boarding schools started happening because the best school wasn't technically in the street you were in so you send your kid away to Eton or wherever ah. um, and study there and so private and public private is paid school but it's not part of the public schools group public schools is like I think the list has been set for hundreds of years like it's a select group mm. of schools and then the normal school is the state school like 
no you don't have to pay the government okay. is funding it the state is so funding a, it. what would be a pri- what would be an example of a private school like what do you do you pay a fee but it has to be within your own area you pay a fee but it could be home tuition as well as private schooling what's that so like if you pay really expensive tutors to come to your home to educate your child so it doesn't even go to a school oh, wow. like that's also classes for yeah. education but then public schools like a very sit, set list of schools which is predominantly I think they either started at boys only or they might even still be majority mm. boys only schools okay but like they're all the ones that will do the intakes for like Oxbridge What's and that? they're called public Oxford and Cambridge Oxbridge. Oh, yeah. that's yeah. what they they said Oxbridge in this book, and I was lot, like, is this yeah. different from Oxford? It's like the it's how you describe the universities, like as a combined force, like Ivy League, like we yeah. would say the Ivies. Yeah, yeah, we'll go with that. It's, okay. that. it's like a bit of the Ivy League. Cool. That's very uh, educational. Thank you. <laughs> um. Did you wait? So did you think public school? What did you think public school meant? Because, I just didn't know. I just yeah, thought everyone had said to me. Our pri- public school and private school are reversed. And I was like, that makes no sense. Because I wanted to know why boarding... I knew that boarding schools were considered, quote-unquote, public school. And I yeah. didn't understand where the name public came from. Okay. But now that you understand it's more geographical... It's public mm-hmm. fee payers or something. I think it's got a yeah. different time. But anyone for the public can basically it's, bid. Yeah, it's open to the entire public, but it's super expensive. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, they are like off the chain expensive yeah that's crazy and then i didn't know that state school is what we consider public school is that yeah, would be our equivalent normal yeah. free school and then you have grammar which is like you have to be good enough to get in still free yeah we've got wow. a whole load we like to make it as complicated as possible to like retain like this social elitism that we love <laughs> tradition all that kind of stuff so how much do you think the classism is still around today like if you go somewhere are you like looking is it like is it like the like a high school american high school movie where you walk into the cafeteria and there's like the jocks <laughs> and the nerds and like you know, the cool the state schools, the private <laughs> yeah, schools, like, the public. I mean, I wouldn't, I don't think people segregate as much, but it's really interesting because when I, again, when I was living in New York, I found it so interesting that at certain circles, at some of the parties I went to, people would introduce yourself, themselves with their name and then either where they worked or what they did for mm. a job, which I found bizarre because I was just like, I'm tanked. I, I mean, I don't yeah. know what I do. It's not that interesting. But then I was talking to my friends about it, and I think the reason that that might happen outside of the UK is because we judge each other on accent. Oh, yeah. Like, things Mm -hmm. like that, albeit subliminal, like, as much as I joke about Peaky Blinders or whatever, (laughs) I know it's really (laughs) bad, but if someone spoke like that and they were like, I've just come from Oxbridge, I'd be like, what? I was (laughs) trying so hard to do a posh accent. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I, I think it's definitely judged subliminally, which it shouldn't be, and it should be eradicated. But I don't think it's as bad as like. Actually, that's not true. I'm talking from a relatively normal background. I have I went to Exeter University. Absolutely loved it. But there were loads of people there that absolutely wouldn't integrate with anyone else that wasn't from their social class. Wow. But they, I suppose they didn't see it because I wasn't in it. Yeah. But it was very clear you're not welcome. Wow. And that's at most of the like better UK universities. There's a, there's an issue at most. See, I think the the thing that fascinates me so much about the British class structure is that it's so divorced from money. It's not fully yeah. divorced from money, but like in the US, it's like you're rich or you're middle class or you're poor. Mm-hmm. And 
there's a little bit of an old money versus new money thing, but I mm-hmm. think that's gone now. I don't think that even exists. I feel like you would hear more about that in like the nineties. People would be judgmental, but now with like all the tech billionaires and everything, it, there's really no distinction. They have the most yeah, money. That's true. Yeah. yeah. So like in the U.S., it's like you're only really as good as your bank account in terms of our class system. It's, mm. It does not matter who your dad or grandfather was if you don't have any money. Yeah, that's so, so we definitely still have that problem. Like I still know people that are, quote, posh, that are from the right stock, but they have no liquid cash. Like their parents' house is phenomenal and they've got like crazy stuff, but they can't actually like buy a new holiday home in Spain. Mm -hmm. Whereas like people from tech to your, like exactly your entrepreneurs can. It is interesting. It hasn't really got here yet, but it will shake up. Yeah. And, and like, you can't buy your way into those circles. No way. Yeah. Absolutely no way. It's crazy. It's so weird. It's just so weird because I feel like when I first moved to New York, I was making no money at all. I was, like, in head-to-toe Target clothes. But, like, because I worked at a newspaper that had, like, society pages, I was going to all these events and, like, mm-hmm. rubbing shoulders with these people who were so rich. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, maybe when I go to London, like, I'll find these events and I'll be able to, like, do this stuff because I do still do... Like, a little bit of journalism, I'll be on some publicist list, but, like, you can't access that mm-hmm. here. They don't want press. Yeah. it's And I had read that in, like, a lot of different things and a lot of books I'd read about the difference between, like, the British class system and, like, Americans. and But, like, seeing it, I'm just, like, I don't see the rich upper class people here in London. I just don't see them. Yeah, that's true. It's very weird. They also never ride the tube, so they will always be in cars, oh, which I really? love. And they're all like, in members-only clubs yeah. on the weekend. Yes, yeah. the members-only thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. or their own, their own apartments. Yeah. But it's, but, like, again, I don't know, you know, you were talking earlier about how the royal household surrounds themselves by cookie cutter off themselves and I agree it's not healthy Mm because that's why they're not adapting but like to give it perspective my dad was a white kind of middle working class blonde male for the BBC and my mum was a black um, younger journalist for South China Morning Post and so whenever the royals used to come to Asia they're both battling for the same spot and my mom used to get so infuriated because dad would get in straight away yeah. and mom would just be left on the sidelines and wait I didn't know your parents stuff. were both journalists yeah they'd be really proud of me doing this podcast <laughs> oh my god you know my parents are both journalists too oh no way how have we never talked about maybe this maybe this is why we're too opinionated and we, we <laughs> I know <laughs> we argue with random people in pubs. I love it yeah but it's great because I'm literally sitting here I'm like you have so much to say you are like oh my god Carrie you should be a journalist I mean I can't spell so I, I can't it's okay I just gave up podcast though this could be the new yeah, thing yeah I mean totally um, but dad would get in and there is this air of like with the royal family and some of those like upper echelons they can only trust those kind of people and I'm mm. not defending it but apart from that book I was really shocked by how many people gave her stories generally the gave Kelly around, Kelly the author yeah, stories yeah I was I, I'm also dubious as to how many of them are real because I think she looks like a strange person but <laughs> she looks like the I'm Karen get me your manager woman but 100% she they, I do think there's something to be said for surrounding yourself with people where their number one thing is that they will protect your secrets and they will go down with it and I think trusting a new a totally new person with no links whatsoever yeah. must be terrifying it's it happens with again every celebrity it's like they have their tiny circle mm-hmm. and they decide these are the people I can trust and it becomes really insular yeah 
Because I think when you get to that level of where you have so much to lose if the wrong thing gets out, it's only natural to kind of do that. Yeah. So with both of you guys, I'm curious, especially now, Carrie, knowing that your parents are journalists, um, what do you guys think about the royal family's relationship with the press historically? Got a lot to say there. I it's mm. funny though because I do you guys know how bad our press were? Like especially in the nineties, like when Diana was starting like her bulimia was getting really bad and stuff, like yes. our press were disgusting. And then the phone scandals that came out, etc. They still don't know who that was. Yes. I it was probably someone Murphy. <laughs> Sorry, what? Oh. No, okay. I don't it's know funny because the book the book blames MI five for a couple of them, as in wanting yeah. to like bring down the monarchy. Really? Yeah. Which I think, yeah. Which sounded, which sounds very much more conspiracy theory rather than like definitely the press being that. So I was surprised by that, but yeah, they go into it more in Tina Brown's book, The Diana Chronicles. Mm. She goes through a lot of different theories, and her conclusion, which is an it's an amazing book. Everyone should read it. You guys should both read it. You would love it. Her conclusion is no one really knows, but I think it, she leans toward Rupert Murdoch because mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, yeah. When they did the trials a few years ago, I don't think it dealt specifically with the Diana and Charles calls. No, it was it was a different space because it was like yeah. for us, Millie, the the one that the public then went enough is enough because previously it was like celebrities in the royal family being like the press are too intrusive. Da, da, da. We were like, oh, so uh, yeah, 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 like, like a tiny violin. Right. And then the thing that tipped like a lot of the British public was that there was this girl that went missing in the UK. And for days, her parents were distraught. Like, it's all you saw in the press. And I think two days later or something, her voicemail had been accessed on her phone. So everyone was like, oh my God, she's alive. Mm. Or there's, you know, we've really, there was like a real resurgence of energy. And it turned out it was a freaking tabloid that tapped into her voicemail (gasps) to get a story. But they didn't find out about that. I mean, I can't remember these timelines, but it was till after. And that's when the British press were like, oh wow enough is enough yeah. like you're not just doing it to celebrities you're doing it to a missing child who turned out to be dead later like Wild. it was absolutely horrendous and for our listeners if they don't know the two big things that came out of the phone tapping in terms of the royal family were they they intercepted a call of Charles <laughs> saying to Camilla that he wants to be reincarnated as her tampon so that he can, <laughs> so that he can always be in her pants and then there was another Who one. Who said the British aren't sexy? <laughs> I know. We've got four HR. And then the other one was that they intercepted a call between Diana and... It wasn't James Hewitt. It was someone it else. It was the... Gilly yeah, the, the rugby player. The rugby captain. Yeah. It was like a less hot... It was like a less hot Diana guy. <laughs> <laughs> and she was just... He, he was calling her Squidgy and she was saying... I, was oh, a, this was the high school. Yeah. The high school guy yeah. that she loved. It was yeah. called Squidgy Gate. And, yeah. and he was... And she was saying, I hope I don't get pregnant. But so those were like the two things that I think sped up their separation. But what was interesting with some of those scandals is the British newspapers didn't run the stories it was ireland germany mm. australia because like, the queen could influence the uk why is it that she couldn't oh i guess they went under her yeah but it started slipping True. right because yeah. towards the end they were like we're actually making more money than we are like selling your kind of ratchet stories than getting the press interviews that you're giving us but i found it interesting because that's exactly what harvey weinstein did like in his like 
real throes of when he was the worst human he could be mm-hmm. he threatened so many of the newspapers in America which is why a lot of these stories didn't make it through and just that control of power of the press being ultimate power yeah. more so than anything mm-hmm. else was really interesting yeah and that's a thing of the past unfortunately I mean according to me <laughs> <laughs> Because my family would be millionaires if press still had ultimate power. No, I'm just kidding. They still wouldn't. But, yeah, it's, it's like, never going to happen again. But, but, yeah, what do you guys think about, like, all that stuff? So I think, I mean, again, it's the, the monarchies are to what? Represent the crown, represent the commonwealth, the people. And I think then if the people are supporting them, they have a right to know, I think, everything that's going on. To an extent, I mean, tapping of phones and, like, the chasing and the hounding of Diana and kids, like, that should definitely be off limits, but I, I think that the, I mean, freedom of the press, like, I think the press should be able to print what they want, especially when it's about a family that the public is essentially funding yeah. their lifestyle. Like, covering um, excessive renovations of their palaces or, you know, a couple other examples in the book I'm blanking on, but... Yeah, especially in the book when they talked about, you know, the cost that, the the amount of money that it costs for Queen Elizabeth's coronation. I have it noted here. Something like, it was millions. Six million? Or was it, it was, there was a lot of numbers yeah, thrown out in that. She So this was like 1953. It cost the government over $6.5 million, mm. which is $50 million in 1996. So that's what, like 75, 100 mm. now? Yeah. And... At this time, there was, like, a recession, and it was post-war, and there were, like, millions of people who were unemployed and everything, but, like, the queen was saying, the people need this. The people want this. Because it gives them hope. Which, I guess, I don't know. And distracts them from the war. Like, I do Mm -hmm. like indulging in frivolous stuff, like, on the TV, Mm -hmm. just to get away from, like, Trump, Brexit. Like, it's just constant, and it's like... Yeah, I watch watch the Kardashians because I want to chill. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's not the same because it's not costing me, but I do see where she's coming from, where she's trying to give some, like, color. I agree. I think that goes back to uh, our conversation about are they entertainers and celebrities? Right, like, they are. She's there, and she wants the world to be watching Coronation. She's like, this is what they want. And, like, yeah. in her mind, she's entertaining them, mm. you know? Yeah. But she thinks that she's a rung above. And above that, yeah. yeah. And I think there's also a really different perspective in the UK with in terms of public funding compared to the US because in the US we hate to publicly fund anything and in the UK it's like it's a lot more they're like make it rain yeah Yeah. people kind of trust the government more and so I think that is a different mindset but I think so I feel like with the press and the monarchy things would be a lot less tense if the people around them like I said could handle it better because I think a lot of the time the people around them are just lying and obfuscating things and trying to cover things up. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, like with, with Meghan Markle, her whole thing a few months ago when she uh, authorized five of her celebrity friends to speak anonymously to People magazine about yeah. what an amazing mm-hmm. person she was. I was like, girl, who is advising you? This is, <laughs> yeah. like, this is the worst idea. But she's brought in her own advisors, though, so that's, like, that's almost... True. Inex- that's, like, not even it's true. defendable. Yeah. Because she's sacked most of the ones that she's been <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which I understand. Like, come in, bring your own fresh take, but, like, that's all on you, hon. Yeah, the People Mag thing was a 
Yeah. The people that she gives, that she authorizes to speak to the press, like, I feel like her approach has been to have people talk about how nice she is and what a good person she is. Like, I don't think she's not a good person. It's just that this narrative is not serving her. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, people Mm -hmm. have it in their heads that she's demanding and that she's a diva. I don't think she is at all. But I think she might be better served by leaning into that a tiny bit more and just saying things herself. Like, I think she speaks more than Kate Middleton. Like, compared to when Kate and William got married, we didn't hear Kate speak publicly for, I think, two years. Mm. Whereas Megan has given, like, three public addresses. And nothing's really stopping her from being open and being honest. And I think it would be a breath of fresh air if she did. But instead, she kind of keeps up the royal facade of never complain, never explain. And then she has, like, you know... Jamila Jamil talking to the press and saying, (laughs) you know, it's just like, yeah, but then, and she doesn't need to be doing that. Yeah. Yeah. You said one of my favorite divas on the planet, as many people as Beyonce, right? But the reason that I think she's so perfectly executed is because she invests so much of her wages into protecting her privacy and not Mm. giving comment and not defending herself. And like, Becky with the never nice hair gives and stuff. An like, she never yeah, did. She never spoke yeah. about it. And actually, she sailed through all this stuff remarkably well, having said nothing. Yeah. Like, even with the dad manager stuff. Like, and so there is something to be said for just shut up. Yeah. Like, yeah. it will sail through. The more you speak, the more you're fueling the fire. And she's not sending Kelly and Michelle and Solange to explain <laughs> for her. <laughs> you know? Imagine? She's just like, I'm not speaking about this. And mm-hmm. I think Megan could do the same thing. Yeah. Like, if she's not going to speak, then having someone speak on her behalf just looks like this is what you're trying to say. It looks silly. It looks like trying to have it both ways. Yeah. What are your favorite diva moments from this book and from royal history? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Princess (laughs) Margaret. What did I just... Should we just give you five minutes? I just don't know why I really connect with her. Minus some of the crazy racist shit that you learned about her. Minus the racism. Minus that you learned that about her. I just feel like she really got screwed by her sister. Like, she found someone that she loved and understood her, and she could trust, and it was taken away from her, and then, hell yeah, girl. Like, she just fucking let it rip. Like, partying every night, alcohol, drugs, sleeping with everyone. I don't, like, what else is she going to do? You just took away the one thing that would have, like, you know, kind of made her probably be into, like, the perfect princess who was quiet out of the tabloids. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, so, diva behavior-wise, I just love all the stories of her just saying, as soon as she walked into a room, no one could leave. Everyone had to bow down to her. All her friends had to call her her royal highness, whatever her title yeah. was. And ma'am. And ma'am. And, and she would correct them if she if yes. they pronounced ma'am wrong. She, every single person that she encountered. And I just feel like, you know what? The Elizabeth wanted her to, you know, follow royal protocol, mm-hmm. can't marry this divorce guy, you are a princess, so she freaking acted like it. Mm-hmm. So, good on her. Yeah. You're right, that is exactly what she did. She did exactly she said, what the queen told her to you do. You want princess? I'll give you princess. <laughs> I love her for it. Yeah. I thought it was really interesting, um, the substance abuse of everyone in the royal family. Yeah, And I'm not saying that in a judgmental way because, like, they haven't done anything I haven't done. But, like, Margaret doing coke. Yeah. And Queen Elizabeth being on amphetamines, which is basically Adderall to lose weight yeah. when she first got married. And the amount that they all drank. Like, have you ever seen 
this goes viral about like every six months. Uh, Princess Margaret's morning routine. No. no, it's like the female Hunter S. Thompson. Let me see if I can find it because you guys will love it. I'm excited. Do I not might try it. it. <laughs> yeah. Where's my note? I'm gonna come to your house every morning. <laughs> I know, man. Unlike Princess Margaret, we need to maintain jobs so we can <laughs> But so, okay, it says this is Princess Margaret's morning routine, circa 1955. 9 a.m. She has breakfast in bed, followed by two hours in bed, listening to the radio, reading the newspapers, which she invariably left scattered over the floor, and chain smoking. All right, so two hours scrolling through Instagram, Deliveroo, (laughs) got it, got it, and hitting the jewel. Hitting the jewel. I can do all these things. 11 a.m. She gets into a bath run for her by her lady's maid. Which Carrie, that's when you'll come over and draw my bath. <laughs> what are all these ladies? What are these ladies in waiting doing? I don't know. They could also be dressed themselves. Have you it's, seen how many layers they were? It's crazy. They can't possibly. <laughs> when, cannot. when they go through what the Queen Mom had and what Princess Margaret had, like those ladies, what were they doing that they, they were, couldn't dress? They each had like six to ten ladies in waiting at all times. Yes. They don't have real friends, so I would argue they were also just pals. Oh. Playtime yeah. pals. Paid friends, yeah. Paid friends. So, okay, this other podcast I really like, Who Weekly, they have this concept of, it's called VAMPS. It stands for, like, trainers, healers, something, style. It's just, like, stylists and makeup artists and, like, the people that are paid to be around an A-lister mm-hmm. and sort of become famous in their own right and they're kind of getting paid for the service they provide, but really they're, like, paid friends. Right. So okay. I guess the ladies in waiting are just vamps. Yeah. I okay. like that. I think that's right. <laughs> that also dish secrets for cash to the press. I know, well, I don't believe that they sold yeah. out. I like, don't think I, it's those ladies. I'm still naive. It's and the I, other I people waiting to believe it. But also think about this: the amount of stories that Kitty Kelly, which by the way, she so Kitty Kelly is very muckraking. Like we did her book on Oprah for the Oprah podcast with Mariah Smith a few weeks ago. How many has she done? Kitty She's, Kelly, yeah. it's like her main job is doing yeah. these. Oh, wow. She digs okay. up the dirt on everyone. She it's dug up. the front page. On yeah, like she dug up all the dirt on Oprah. It's like the things that she uncovers are crazy. But it, like you come out of it. I liked Oprah more after reading it. After reading this, I'm like, I, I understand the royal family better. I definitely don't think. I. I don't have the same feelings about them as I have about Oprah, but she's... <laughs> <laughs> My point is, I think she can... She vets her sources pretty well. But if this is the stuff people would tell her, imagine what happened that yeah. we will never know. Yeah, that's true. It's crazy. Because well, did you guys hear about Paul Burrell? Did he make it over the pond? Because he was yeah. Diana's, like, butler. Or I mean, yeah. he literally was just like, cool, I'm going to sell everything. Yeah. And he's just become, like, this ridiculous celebrity. And that bugged me because I was like, you have that job for a reason. Because yeah. you can keep your mouth shut. Like, but yeah. I think a, re- a big reason why he started selling things is because he believed more in Diana than he did in the rest of the royal family. Oh, yeah. And he was sort of fighting for her because... I've noticed this weird thing in, like, the British establishment. If you read the more right-wing papers, they always, whenever they have to mention Diana, they do it with a little footnote of who had serious mental health issues and struggled for sanity. And it's like, 
what? Oh, like, I've never seen that. Yeah. It's very weird if you notice it. It's the papers. It, you can tell it's like the more royalist papers who are more interested in helping Charles and getting into his good graces before mm. he becomes king. They always say that she was crazy. Wow. Yeah. It's super fucked up. But so, okay, at 11 a.m., Princess Margaret is getting into a bath run by her damp. And then <laughs> she's bathing for an hour. <laughs> At noon, she's, Same. at noon, she's in hair and makeup at her dressing table. Then she puts on clean clothes, as one would imagine of a princess. She never wore any of her clothes more than once without having them cleaned. I love that they're saying that like that's a royal thing. Is that not what everyone <laughs> does? Ah, my pants from yesterday. I'm dead. 12.30 is when she goes downstairs for a vodka pick-me-up. Oh, she's not I? having her first drink till 1230. I think that shows a lot of restraint. Yeah. For someone who doesn't have to work. Yeah. And then at 1 p.m. she joins the Queen Mother for a four-course lunch served in an informal manner from silver dishes <laughs> <laughs> with half a bottle of wine per person. This is at 1 p.m. Okay. Wow. Post-vodka. Yeah. Informal. In, uh, informal. Can you imagine going to work and just unpacking your lunch? <laughs> Don't mind me, guys. Just... <laughs> Having my four-course informal lunch. <laughs> Plus fruit and half a dozen different varieties of native and continental cheeses. Oh, okay. Wowzers. With the side of amphetamines. So she was killing it. I mean, considering she was, like, quite slim and ate all of that, I'm actually very impressed. Yeah. She's very short, too. Very short. She? she? was under five feet. That's and yeah. she used to get made fun of by her own husband. Yeah. Of her giant, what do they call it? Just platform shoes. Platform heels, yeah. Platform heels, yeah. I really enjoyed the Margaret section. <laughs> yeah. Did you take notes? <laughs> I have some highlights. Yeah. I know. She was nutso. Well, what was your favorite diva moment? Um, I don't really know how to nail down just one. I mean, I feel like I liked the Queen Mother's sort of diva hypocrisy is very interesting mm. to me. The way she that, is interesting. Yeah, she was just so such a conflicting person because she sort of was very la-da-da, like acting like she was really cutesy. But at the same time, they all said she was like a, what was it, like a suede glove with like steel Iron underneath. Iron fist mm-hmm. with a velvet glove. Yeah. Yes, love that quote. So mm-hmm. I found her whole story really interesting. Like the fact that when she went to visit FDR and Eleanor Roosevelt with King George, she trucked over a bunch of British water for yeah. her tea. <laughs> that's wild. Yes. Yeah, like that's insane. And I just really liked how she sort of ruled things from behind the scenes. Yeah. I think that she was really the the main. She pulled the strings for a while yeah. for Elizabeth. Yeah, Isn't even that with yeah. every grandmother and mother in law. Yeah, like she's just yeah. adopting like a regular. Yeah, yeah. But even like... when her husband was the king, I feel like it was mostly her. Oh, okay. Yeah. Did you guys ever see Hyde Park on Hudson? No. no. Olivia Olivia Coleman plays her. Oh, no way. Yeah. It's so good. And it's when they go to see FDR and Eleanor Roosevelt, and mm. fucking Bill Murray plays FDR. <laughs> it's so good. Like I need to see that. I really feel like this movie was before its time, because it was before everyone stand Olivia Coleman and Bill Murray. Mm-hmm. So it was like a few years ago, and it's, it's a really good movie. Okay. But yeah, she's in that, and it's kind of about how, like, they were just they were just horrified by everything the Americans did at every turn when they visited 
FDR. It's really funny in the movie, the way that they portray it. I love that. And I then need like, to watch that. We I don't know why we called stuck up. It's like, <laughs> I know. It's, like, it's baffling. There to were me. servants who resigned because FDR was going to serve them hot dogs. <laughs> like they were like, oh, we're not, we're out. Yeah. <laughs> no, this can't happen. Oh, man. So I guess. I mean, she doesn't seem like a nice person at all, but that's not the point of diva behavior. It's, she, I, I find her interesting, I guess. Who would be, what's your favorite royal diva behavior? <laughs> Mine's not in the book, but the hats that Princess Eugenie and Beatrice wore <laughs> to this day yeah. blow my mind. Like an actual squid vagina on your head <laughs> and yeah. you're just going to get out the car like nothing's <laughs> happened. Still my favorite. That I, was wild. We can thank that Fergie for those. My mind I'm sure. When it came on the screen, I was like, this cannot <laughs> Do happening. you think they did that on purpose? Or do you think they legitimately thought they looked good? What? Trying to upstage Kate? This I... was at the royal wedding of William and Kate, by the way, listeners. That Beatrice and Eugenie, <laughs> their dad is Prince Andrew, Jeffrey Epstein's best friend, which we should also Ooh. talk about. Like, do you think... So what do you think? You think they were trying to upstage Will and Kate? I mean, there's no way they looked in the mirror and they were like, we're nailing it, let's go. But also, the whoever dressed them, whichever designer did all that stuff, you know the like insane correlation with the Cinderella's? Yes. Like that the, was the that, ugly stepsister. Yes. Like, like whoever dressed them, also that cannot yeah. have not crossed their they mind. They were at any taking point. the piss. Yeah. <laughs> well done. <laughs> yeah. Um, they were taking the piss. Um, yeah, that one was like my favorite because I enjoyed it a lot, which is yeah. really superficial because now I'm talking about women and what they're wearing, which is what I hate. But no, that's it part was of life. Still hilarious. Man. It's important. It's it's messaging, you know. It was it was so great. I okay. I have another one, which is my least favorite because it's also an unreported on royal wedding diva moment. Zara Phillips. At, I love her. You can't say anything bad about okay. her. Okay. <laughs> oh, no. So, Zara Phillips is Princess Anne's daughter. Princess Anne. Psycho. Probably the uh, biggest monster in the book. is the low-key biggest monster in that book, yes. Yeah. Was this in the last two chapters that I didn't read? Because no. <laughs> it was in the beginning. It was in the beginning. Like, hey. She just seems like a nasty piece of work. Yeah. I think mean, she seems like a no-bullshit, stiff, stiff upper lip. British woman. I love it. <laughs> From an American golden retriever puppy perspective, <laughs> yeah. she's horrifying. She's a pit bull. Oh, no, yeah, like she it. just seems... I don't even want to call her pit bull because I love pit bulls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but so her daughter, Zara Phillips, she does... Zara Phillips seems funny. She seems fun. She seems no bullshit. She's incredible. Yeah. She seems like a fun... And her husband, the rugby guy, Mike Tindall, Tindall. like, love that. Love him. But at, at Harry and Meghan's wedding... This was something that I was so shocked that no one reported on. The way that all of the royal family was sitting there with these faces that they looked like mm. they were horrified by what was happening. And she was the worst one, which granted she was 30 months pregnant. Wait, this was Megan. Yeah. Okay. Harry and Megan's wedding. She uh, was like 30 months pregnant. But when remember how they had that preacher, the American pastor... And Zara Phillips is sitting there, and she looks like... She's literally looking at everyone like, fuck these people. Can you believe this is going on? She's making the nastiest faces. And so many other people in the royal family were also making nasty faces throughout that whole wedding. You could see them looking at each other like, can you believe this shit? Like, it was awful to watch. Oh, no. I don't think I remember this. Well, I'm going to just interject by saying, so did the cast of the suits. 
They also looked <laughs> horrified. You because, think so? Oh, I mean, I did find him. I really loved that she mixed it up, and I loved the choir, and it was phenomenal. The choir was amazing. But specifically, mm-hmm. that preacher. I don't know why he just missed the mark. I love it. I love a big risk, and that was a big risk. It was a good risk. Like yeah. credit to her for bringing him. But I don't know if he nailed that ceremony. He didn't. Yeah, he didn't. But it was just that Zara Phillips looked very impolite in the way yeah. that she was looking at everyone like, wow, this is awful. And you know, you know cameras I mean? on you. Mm-hmm. You should probably, yeah. 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 It just seemed like at that wedding, all of the aristocrats and the royal family were lo- all sharing these moments of, we don't support this. These unspoken moments of them looking at each other being like, nah, this is not us. You know what I mean? Mm. And I might be reading too far into it because I didn't see it reported that way anywhere and I didn't see anyone else tweeting to that effect. So it could just be me. Mm. But that was just the vibe that I picked up and I was really embarrassed for them and I felt I felt bad for like Harry and Meghan because I was like, they made this cool, crazy, interesting wedding mm. that wasn't like... Super traditional, yeah. yeah. No, it was good. I do think she got unnecessarily slated for having celebrities there because I feel like more of Harry's friends yeah. were celebrities yeah. than hers. And I was just, that was a bit unfair the way the British press went nuts about it. Yeah. Because it was just like, he's got like freaking Beckham, Elton Ellie. John. Yeah. 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 Did they used to date? Just, Ellie Goulding. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like three of his exes there. Yeah. Chelsea, Davey, I was like, yeah. yeah. I love I love her. She would have been epic for the royal family if she had got in because she would have just been like uncontrollable like a Fergie yeah. like with more more class better yeah <laughs> do you remember how hungover she looked at Will and Kate's wedding <laughs> oh I love her she's great. she Chelsea Davey literally looked like she hadn't slept in three days but it was so love funny it. because it was just like yes like I kind of loved William and Harry's 20s vibe it was like yeah like we we grew up and we had that vibe at the same time which is why it was yeah everyone was just drunk all the time time. Mm -hmm. so i don't know i feel like the kids now have to be too serious and i feel really bad for them what do you guys think is the role of the monarchy going forward book aside just i feel like the general public has observed kind of the peaks and valleys of the popularity of the monarchy um i think up until um, William and or Wills how to use his nickname <laughs> Wills and Harry isn't Harry's real name Henry too yeah, yeah. Henry Wills and Henry um, until they kind of got married and had or you know were kind of more in the spotlight more so than their father and kind of cast a shadow over Diana's death when the monarchy I think was super unpopular um, I think now they're just I think they're there to just kind of like hold it up and still kind of just going back to being the kind of light and hope and that kind of distraction for British people I don't think that's going to change and bringing up Brexit again I think it's still kind of like relevant there's always going to be shit things going on in the world in the country and they're just still I think going to be that like distraction and that kind of distraction thing to look at distraction is such a good way to put it yeah and it's so accurate and they would never characterize it that way they would say not they would say like the hope and the moral authority but distraction is what it is yeah that's what all celebrity function 
is. They're not celebrities. <laughs> they are. How are they not celebrities? They're godly celebrities. All, celebra- all celebrities are Greek gods. This is what everyone needs to understand. It's Greek gods, you know? And that's what they are, and it's what the Kardashians are. And it's what Tila Tequila are. Are any listeners under 30? Are they going to know who she is? No, but they're going to Google it, and they're going to be happy that they did. Um... Yeah, I don't know. For me, it stays the same. Like, I just love that we, that kids or whoever have something to look up to that is not classic celebrity, as in, you don't need to have sold your soul. There are very few that are just famous for their talent. I really respect them. But that there are people that can influence, like, and be a role model to people that don't have someone at home that is a strong female they can look up to, that just don't have a father figure, that don't have whatever that is, and feel a connection with an entire nation based on the crown to also maybe venture away from like the rapid decline of religion i think like people need to replace mm-hmm. it with something you can't just be like religion's going downhill so is the crown right right, yeah, right. It, yeah. like i think everyone needs to connect with something that connects you to strangers in your geographical area or something whatever bigger than yourself yeah yeah mm-hmm. that's exactly it and i think the crown represents that they should I don't know how they're going to detangle themselves from only representing Christianity because I think that is definitely old. Like, that's... We need to modernise that. I don't know how. Mm -hmm. It needs to represent all faiths, which is fair. Um, But for me, that's what it is. However, I am so aware that they have so many people in the UK, especially taxpayers, that are just tired and they're just like, what's the point in them being here? So Mm -hmm. I don't know how they're going to survive. If... Especially Charles. I think that makes me nervous. Yeah. See... I actually have grown to like Charles the more that I do research on him because he's a very, like we said, liberal guy. Mm-hmm. He's a very spiritual guy. Yeah. Like, he kind of believes in a lot of Eastern spirituality. kind of a Buddhist. Yeah. And, yeah. and I love that he doesn't want to stick it only with Christianity. Like, And he's been really ahead of the times on climate change and on you know, sustainability and like organic farming. And I Mm -hmm. think it's really cool. And I think that when the queen does die, it's going to be a huge shift because people say, you know, oh, the crown doesn't really have any power. And it's like, yeah, technically it doesn't, but Mm -hmm. like they control every tradition in this country. It's like, he could say, we're not doing Trooping the Color anymore. Or he could say, (gasps) we're, you know what I mean? Like he could say, we're going to have a fucking St. Patrick's Day parade every year. Like, he could say that. That's yeah. the power that the crown has. So, like... I, I think he's got the balls to do it, though. I do. I think he's been waiting for this moment his whole life. And Ooh. he's been wanting to shake it up. Yeah. I think he's going to shake it up. I really do. And I think that he is going to... He is going to modernize it more than we think he is. Hmm. So, wait. So, if he didn't take the crown and they wanted to pass it just... Right to William. He would have to abdicate? The entire Commonwealth would have to vote on it. And they would never do that because to open up anything to a vote of the entire Commonwealth would would threaten the end of the Commonwealth. I mean, we learned that from Brexit, so we're not doing that again. We're not asking for the people's opinion. Yeah, it wouldn't wouldn't happen, Yeah. yeah. So... And I and he doesn't want to. He wants to be king. He truly believes it's his divine right. Like that's in the yeah. Tina Brown book more so than this one. Is like she goes more in, deeper into uh, Charles's psyche, and she's just like he really wants to do it. And he's very well read. He reads a lot. He's like like in this book. There's a lot of quotes of people talking about how dumb he is. 
Did you guys yeah, catch that? Yeah. And he caught Diana, them calling Diana dumb. Oh, I know. But it's bless like, her. I've pained me reading that. She didn't even go to college. It's yeah. like, you know, I believe that you freeze the moment you get famous. And she got famous at 19. Yeah. Unless you're Kim Kardashian. That's true. She can go to law school. She yeah. is adapting and evolving a lot. But, but yeah, I think that Charles is going to modernize it. I think that... Harry and Meghan are going to do a lot to kind of push it more toward this, like, people... Oh, this is something I'm interested in from a British perspective. People get really angry at Harry and Meghan for virtue signaling, I find. Oh, what does that even mean? It means basically saying, here's how to be a good person. This is what you need to do. This does go back to the whole... why we're get we're seeing like a slight increase in the amount of people being vocal about the royal family's existence. Mm. Like Margaret spending so much of the taxpayers' money and not doing her duty. Like mm-hmm. Princess Anne, let's be real, she has really put in her fair share. Yeah, and I do right? mean horse. And she's earned. The- <laughs> oh my god! No, I love her. <laughs> um, but she has really like grafted, and I think you can tell people to have less babies and you're only going to have two I respect that because you're doing the same thing I do think they need to tread carefully on the preaching Mm -hmm. unless because Charles did it in a really clever way where he backed it with science and he gave like really like digestible steps to make the world a better place in climate change fantastic execution shockingly the way they're doing it is too preachy when they're technically not displaying the same behaviors i think that's where they're just going to fall on their face it is yeah it is a really Mm. wild thing to think about the fact that they're supposed to be apolitical and it's like Mm. how do you espouse any issue without being political Mm -hmm. especially in today's times where it's just so much easier to put your opinion and voice out there in the u.s climate change is absolutely a political issue unfortunately because we have people who don't believe in it yeah and they're all republicans you know so it's like it is, it's going to be hard for them to affect change in a meaningful way at any level. But then I think the things, I think Diana was the perfect example of how to change people's perception without making it political. Like being the first royal to be seen touching an AIDS Mm -hmm. patient. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. walking across a field of active landmines. Yeah. Like, but she did it when she preached. Not not preaching, but she did it as she was delivering her message. I think the problem is like Harry and Meghan need to just wind it in a little bit and only deliver the message if they're willing to actively do something to demonstrate that. Yeah. How do we square our interest in the royal family with the more troubling elements of their past such as their racism and classism? What do you guys how do you guys think they're doing with that? I think the new what what would you call the kind of new generation of royals? The young royals. Term, the young they royals. used to be called the Fab Four until they started hating each other. And they yeah. split that stupid charity. Sorry, yeah, go on. <laughs> I know, they shouldn't have split the charity. It's crazy. So dumb. Sorry. Yeah. No, I, I think they're, they're the hope. I mean, we've brought in an American who's half black. Like, yeah. I get the eyes from Carrie when I say <laughs> American. <laughs> I mean, I'm so glad you guys have come to save our world. <laughs> Here we go. No, but, but you're right. It's diluting. No, it's, it's just, diluting the whole like. Yeah, it's yeah. enhancing. Enhancing. En- enhancing. Also, thank God you're we're helping here. with the inbreeding, Carrie. Yeah. Come on, I know we're helping you guys diversify. It's true. It's true. No, um, I respect that. No, I think they recognize it, and the public recognizes it, and you can just kind of think of them, hopefully, in like a different light. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. 
I'll also be really upset if Prince George doesn't grow up to be exactly like that Instagram page that's been... Oh, oh Gary Gianetti. Campy AF. If you don't know it, Gary Gianetti, he, he has invented this Prince George character that's very funny. But I found it really interesting in the book how much they talk about how there have been gay people around the royal yeah. family. Yeah. How did this and come within up the royal family. I think it's, so much. it is like pretty well known, but it's just people don't talk about it. Because yeah. being gay was still illegal here until what, the 70s? Yeah. yeah, but that's what I mean, the first openly gay. Yeah. We all know they've been there. But then, to be fair, we've had only like our first rugby player to say that he's gay the last like two years oh we've years had what two nfl players yeah like, like one basketball player maybe it's yeah. a problem all across like beyond the royal family yeah. Oh, yeah. oh yeah absolutely yeah it's not a it's not an english thing and it's not a royal family thing no. it's like a universal thing but but yeah i feel like i feel like the function of the royal family is in a practical sense that because they do get to live in this taxpayer funded pretty luxurious mm-hmm. standard of living mm-hmm. I think it kind of brings up the standard of living for the entire country because just having lived here for about a year I don't see as much income inequality as I saw in the United States I totally agree with that yeah yeah in the U.S. it's we have this pretty toxic individualistic mindset which I mean our mindset of individualism is great in a lot of ways because I find more people have like an individual passion of what they want to do, but we also don't take care of people in the U.S. We just don't. We don't have a social safety net. Whereas here, there is a social safety net, and I think if you got rid of the monarchy, it would be a lot easier to forget about the little guy because right now, if somebody doesn't have a good standard of living, they're able to say, why the hell do these people get to live in palaces when... You know what I mean? Yeah, th- there's more. I agree with that. But yeah. then that's when, like, you obviously go to Ireland a lot and stuff, and you've traveled around the UK, but you will find a bit of disengagement the further away from London you go because mm-hmm. it's not so much of a case. Like, especially when mm-hmm. the mines were shut down, and there's really been no replacement for that. Yes, we are so much luckier than the US in the sense that they at least get, like, um, welfare and, like, free healthcare and all that kind of stuff mm. but it hasn't been replaced with like something long term where they can so I think the further away from London you get i.e. the royal family the more disconnected it can get oh in terms of in- income inequality yeah income 100% and also, and also seeing the royal family as not being like fucking annoying like I think Londoners are really passionate and very royal in the majority but the further away you go you will it's start true. to see yeah. more and more disengagement really because well I mean okay so I spend a lot of time like you said in Northern Ireland so everyone I know in Northern Ireland actually like actively dislikes the royal family and does not find them amusing whatsoever mm-hmm. <laughs> because They're amazing. no but because of the troubles and everything which is yeah. really shocking to see troubles. how they just pretended that didn't happen for like 30 years they were like la 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 this isn't happening it's like there was tons and tons of war being waged on British soil that they Mm. ignored Mm. completely, which shouldn't be a political issue. And I guess they pretended, oh, it's political. We're not getting involved. That was extremely fucked up. But I feel like other than Northern Ireland, I, because I think a lot of people who were pro-Brexit would be very royalist. And most of them would not be in London, right? Most of them would not be in London, true. Because London was very much Remain. I think when you go to the towns where there used to be an industry that has been broken, like mining is just the easiest example, 
I think you'll find a bit more disengagement when you see someone in a like gold plated ridiculous carriage spending millions on a wedding they're never gonna Da-da-da-da. bring that carriage out again you like know? and also it really is like unfortunately I know they go and travel and they try and do loads internationally I don't personally see them doing as much I, I always go up north quite a lot I don't see them doing as much around there you don't see their imprint in those kinds of much towns. As I know they can only be in a certain amount of places and like Princess Anne is doing most of it. But right. like, I, mean, <laughs> but, um, I don't know, it's hard, it's difficult, it's really hard. But I think it'll be interesting because with social media, the anti-royalists have a much louder voice now because the press typically will cave to the popular storyline, right? Yeah. I think it's going to be so interesting to see what they, what they think. Yeah. Yeah. And with... You know, we touched on this a little bit with Australia and Canada being part of the Commonwealth. Did you guys see that thing that was sort of going viral like last week with the Australian news program that really did this super racist thing against Meghan Markle talking about how awful no, she is? Really? Yeah, it was very it was very weird. I don't know. What do you think about all the criticism that Meghan gets? Do you think it's racially motivated or do you think it's anti-American motivated? I mean, even in like older pro-Brexit, very kind of middle-class circles and parties and stuff, I've honestly never heard anyone mention race. They just don't like that she is an actress, that she's she's not... It is still classic. I was just going to say, yeah, it's still she's not class. from the class. Yeah, she's not of the right stock, yep. basically. But I haven't heard anyone mention the colour of her skin. Doesn't make it okay, it's still... But that's the thing in the US, it's like... I mean, we have friends who have parents that are racist and it's not that they outwardly say I dislike people of a certain race it's that you see it in the way they act and you see mm-hmm. it in the things they're saying that's you know? true the underlying and I think, reason for how they act yeah so. and I think that is a big part of why people inherently distrust Megan but I think also it has a lot to do with the actress thing it's so wild reading this Mm -hmm. book which was literally published over 20 years ago Mm -hmm. how much anti-actress rhetoric and anti-american rhetoric i think it's just a perfect storm for megan of the race thing the actress thing because it's just a snobbery yep and the american thing it is but then also like i keep i know i keep latching onto this one thing like her debut to 90210 was giving a blowjob in the front of a car. Like, that I is love not this as a princess that I want. But this like, is the difference is, yes, she had a career where she traded somewhat on her sexuality. What was Diana's career besides being a professional virgin who then has sex? What was Fergie's career but having sex with Prince Andrew? Yeah, but I didn't see her... I don't know. Oh, you yeah. didn't see it. This is a big... I'm glad yeah. you brought that up yeah, because I wanted yeah, I to talk about it to you. Because this is the thing, is everyone is sexual behind closed doors. It just seems like with not just royalty, not just British people, but with everyone who maintains power at a certain level, mm-hmm. they they enforce this binary of people who are open about their sexuality versus people who are like quote-unquote dignified enough to keep it behind closed doors and I don't think it helps people to to say if you're going to be open about it it's going to be wrong you know Charles got caught telling Camilla he wanted to be her tampon it's but he didn't sell that like that wasn't he didn't try and progress his career by releasing that and again this is for me the difference between celebrities and royal like you sell what you can to to make more Mm -hmm. money which I respect 
But for me, that's not. But he never had to sell anything to make money because he was born right. That rich. But he was tapped for the tampon thing. It wasn't like he was he was giving it to the tabloids so that he'd get more columns. Yeah, but don't you think that his life and everyone in the royals' family's lives would have been different, and they might have made different choices if they weren't born rich? Totally. And like Meghan wasn't born rich. A hundred percent. But then that's also why are they are they ready to be in the royal family where it is? It's not just a day job like you're on. Okay, let's end this on a positive note. (laughs) I don't even think we have anything left that's good. We've exhausted all the good because there's only about an hour and a half worth of good things to say about (laughs) the monarchy. Sarah Phillips, yay! Okay, yeah, let's just wrap. Okay, thank you guys so much for coming on. No, thank you. It was so great. We could talk so much fun. 90 more minutes. This was awesome. Some people think Diva's a bitch. Diva Behavior, the podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.